Welcome to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan, where we're going to cast and blast you right out of this world with some of the best hunting and fishing stories that you can't even imagine. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, John Hennigan is out and about. He's doing some wonderful things on his own. This is Bob Summerow. I'm a reporter for Western Outdoor News, filling in for John today. And on the line with us, we have Frank Selby co-hosting. Frank, you there? Yes, I'm here. How are you, buddy? I'm doing good. What have you been doing? I hear lately? you. I no. I want to know what you've been doing. <laughs> well, you've been, you're headed to Alaska. I'm headed to Alaska within the next 24 hours. I'll be up there, and uh, I'll be going up to uh, primarily fish offshore with Mac Huffman, who's going to be on with us later on in the in the hours. And uh, Mac has a company called Frontier uh, Lodge and Charters, and he's got a beautiful lodge there, and he's got four boats, and he takes people out offshore fishing for giant halibut, those massive prehistoric lingcod, and all the salmon you can get in a day. So it's pretty fun. And then he also has some fly-out float planes that he takes us out on to uh, do some steelhead and uh, trout fishing. So I'm pretty excited. Do you know anything about trout fishing or steelheading up that way? A little bit. Not a lot. You know that. Yeah. One of, th- <laughs> one of the things I've been looking at is that uh, it seems to be that pink is the key color uh, when you're uh, doing your swing flies, uh, a lot of the woolly pinks. So Yeah. Uh, pinks and reds. All right. Well, I, I loaded up on some pinks, uh, hot pink in particular. In fact, I have one that's uh, pink and red. So That's the one you want to throw first. All right. Well, we'll give that a shot right off the bat on Saturday when I finally get in there. Okay. So uh, we have some really nice guests lined up today, and I think a lot of them are coming from your neck of the woods. Uh, well, not really. They're from all over. Yeah, but they, they're people that you've done uh, things with, something about black salmon fishing. What the heck is a black salmon? Uh, we're going to let Robin tell you about the black <laughs> salmon. I asked, I asked. Uh, a bunch of the guys that I know that are really great, and they thought it was a subspecies of the well, king, we're gonna, but it's not. We're going to look forward to talking to Robin here in just a few moments. Uh, we'll be back on the air here after we have a brief word. <laughs> and uh, Frank, you'll hold on for us, huh? Uh-huh. All right, thanks. Years ago, a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable, non-skid, and wouldn't mark the decks. Today, these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers, boaters, professional guides, and charter captains. Go to softscience.com to see more. Soft Science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock-absorbent with just the right level of support. Several styles come in all sizes. Enjoy the Soft Science shoe in the water and out. Check them out at softscience.com. It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. 
If you are still using a plastic hard shell cooler, things have changed for the better. AO coolers are lighter with twice the efficiency of the traditional bulky coolers. AO coolers are the best available soft-sided cooler with three-quarter inch high-density closed-cell foam insulation. They will keep ice frozen for 24 hours in hot weather. Easy to carry, less space, it fits product inside for better performance. Go to aocoolers.com to order or find a retailer available at West Marine. The road stretches for miles in front of you. And with the Ram 1500, you'll be able to reach mile after open mile. It gets a best-in-class 25 miles per gallon highway. So your destination won't just be determined by your gas gauge, but by your gauge for achievement. And the Ram 1500 is the first-ever back-to-back motor trend truck of the year. Guts. Glory. Ram. See your local Ram dealer today for great deals. EPA estimated 25 MPG highway based on V6 4x2. Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. <laughs> that John Hennigan, he keeps coming up. No, this is Bob Summerow here today. I'm here with uh, Frank Selby. And Frank, you got somebody on the line we want to talk with. Yes, Robin. He from Labrador, and he fishes for black salmon. That. Uh, when he's not working. <laughs> Robin, why don't you give us uh, your website, and uh, we'll get right into asking you a bunch of questions. All right. Uh, my name is Robin Cooper with Cooper's Minipee Lodges. Uh, our web address is uh, minipee.com, M-I-N-I-P-I.com. Oh, well, Robin, let me ask you. So you're in Labrador, is that correct? Yeah, um, so I live in Goose Bay, Labrador, it's about okay. 54 degrees north latitude, and our uh, lodges are just south here of uh, Goose Bay, Labrador. Oh, okay, and uh, from there you guide for these black salmon. Uh, I assume you do other things, but primarily that's your, your main line of work? No, um, our main thing we're known for is our brook trout fishing and our landlocked Arctic char fishing. Uh-huh. But, uh, I do I do a little bit of salmon fishing myself, and uh-huh. uh, just this last week was fishing for... Uh, for black salmon. And do you have a lodge there, or do you have someone you work with for lodging? Yeah, so we have uh, two lodges, uh, Minipee Lodge and Anne-Marie Lodge uh, mm. here in Labrador. Ah, how beautiful. Yeah. And so if someone were to book a trip with you, they, you could take care of everything? Yeah, basically uh, our... Um, um, 
What we offer is an all-inclusive type trip uh, once you get to Goose Bay, and uh, our lodges are a uh, fly-in, fly-out uh, type operation. So once you arrive in Goose Bay, you'd fly into our lodge with our uh, de Havilland beaver and typically fish for about a seven-day trip. Mm, lovely, lovely. And well, I'm sorry, let me ask one more thing. That season, what, what's your season there? So we have a pretty short season here. It uh, only goes from about mid-June to mid-September, so... Uh, I mean, it really depends on ice out, but usually it gives us about 12 to 14 weeks. So it's pack them and whack them. Get them out there and get them fishing. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Frank? Yes. Uh, well, I know how great the fishing's there, but I would I would talk a little bit about the char, Robin. Yeah. So, I mean, most people know Minipee and Labrador for the, uh, the giant brook trout like where we are. We our brook trout average about five and a quarter to five and a half pounds. But what's uh, really unique about Minipee um, in Labrador is we're one of the only watersheds there that have landlocked Arctic char as well. Um, they're a pretty close relation to the brook trout, but, uh, I mean, like I said, our brook trout average about five and a quarter, five and a half pounds, but our uh, Arctic char will be probably about a pound heavier on average. Yeah. I know my, you know who I'm talking about. He always brags the last three years he's tried to get me to come up. I might come up this year with him. Yeah. Is that primarily fly fishing, or are you doing hardware? What are you doing? Uh, we do fly fishing only where we are, yeah. Uh-huh. And what kind of flies are you throwing? So um, to early season, you'd be throwing things like uh, green and brown drakes, hexagenias, uh, caddis flies. And then from about, like, beginning of August on, it's uh, going to switch to um, various attractor um, streamers and muddler minnows, and then we would use a lot of things like uh, like big orange bombers and uh, lemmings and mice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting. So yeah. uh, an average day might include a little of each? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, where we are, we're the only uh, outfitter and lodge on the entire watershed of Minipee. So we fish a, a pretty pretty large territory, and so you'd be fishing lakes and rivers from a boat. You'll be fishing wading. I mean, it really depends on the conditions and, uh, um, you know, the time of season that you're fishing with us. Has spay fishing taken hold up there? A, a little bit. Um, we're seeing a lot of guys using spay equipment for uh, Atlantic salmon on our coastal rivers here in Labrador. Uh, and occasionally I'll use a smaller uh, switch rod for uh, trout. It's uh, nice and certain situations, but uh, Spay's been a little slow to take off on the east, but it's just starting here now. It is interesting how regional it is. Uh, some some waters are packed with Spay guys, and other waters haven't seen one yet. Um, I know it has a lot to do with a guy's ability to work his shoulder, too, because that single-handed gets old sometimes. It does. It does really, uh, if you have uh, big overhangs on the banks and uh, high winds, uh, Spay rods are definitely a lot easier to use and advantageous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Robin, what's the best time for them if they just want to come up and fish the char and brookies? So, I mean, um, really the best time if you wanted to fish those landlocked Arctic char would be right at the end of our season. So I would call it maybe, you know, the last week of August, first two weeks of September. Um, if you were to catch it or looking to target a char earlier in the season, it would be very, very hard to find uh, so um, last of August, beginning of September, they'll actually start staging before they begin to spawn. And we'll see them moving up into all the little brooks and streams and the inlets and outlets and the uh, systems. They really start to, to congregate at that time. 
Well, do me a favor. Will you give us that uh, website one more time, and is there a phone number you'd like people to call? Sure, yeah. Our website, again, is minipi.com, M-I-N-I-P-I, uh, and our uh, toll-free number is one eight seven seven coopers C-O-O-P-E-R-S. Oh, that's pretty convenient. Yeah. Now, one more question for you. I fish dawn to dusk, and I drop dead, whatever it takes. I run out of gas. It doesn't. But what else is there to do in the area? Is there other, other, other sites to see? Uh, not well. I mean, we're a flying lodge in a very, very remote area. So mm-hmm. at the lodge, there's uh, not much else to do, I guess. How about wildlife viewing? Is there much other wildlife around? Oh yeah, great wildlife viewing. Uh, and then if you wanted to come and do some cultural touring in Labrador, we have uh, some pretty unique things in the area, like UNESCO World Heritage sites and ah, good. settlements. Those are always exciting. Some of the stuff, yeah. old settlements, especially up there in Canada, it's amazing. Yeah. So we we've just enjoyed some of the wonderful touring that we've done over the years, haven't we, Frank? Oh yes, a lot. And Alan, Alan and me is do does a lot too, and he's going to be up there this year again, I think, isn't he, Robin? Yeah, our friend, uh, common friend Al, there. Yeah, we think we're planning on uh, probably the last week of August for uh, our little fishing trip together this year. Yeah. I'm be... hoping I'm hoping to make it this year. Well, Frank, he's asked me three years in a row, and I haven't made it. Well, Frank, why don't why don't we just plan on it? You and I will jump in a, a little light plane and fly there. It'll only take us about two days. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got a buddy that just flew me down to Cabo. Oh, sweet! In his jet. so we, we we might talk him into coming. You know, yeah, yeah. I got a friend with a Learjet too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the gas cost us too much. <laughs> That's the problem with that. It all sounds well and good till you got to pay the. Gas. Yes, Bill. <laughs> you got it. Speaking of traveling, getting up to your area there, Robin, is it difficult to get into your into Labrador or it's Goose Bay? But it is uh, time consuming. I mean, you guys are in California there, so uh, it would be at least a day of travel and about uh, at least three uh, three legs of air travel. Mm-hmm. So would we fly into, say, New York City and then fly from there or Buffalo? Where would we go from? Um, typically, if I'm going back and forth to the California to, to Goose Bay, I would uh, be Toronto. Uh, oh, Toronto. Toronto, Halifax, and then Goose Bay. Yeah. Ah, I see. And then from from Halifax, you take a, a smaller plane into Goose Bay? Uh, uh, typically, there's jet service from Halifax oh, to Goose okay. Bay. And then, uh, yeah, once you arrive into Goose Bay, then uh, we would pick you up. And, uh, and what do you guys fly? Uh, I have a De Havilland Beaver. Ah, doesn't everyone passenger uh, radial engine yeah, that's like the only equipment to have up there isn't it yeah it's a pretty awesome fly fishing tool is what yeah. it is uh, it seems to me that all the great lodges and all the great guides have that same equipment for flying people around yeah I mean they've made them uh, pretty much uh, they structured them in the 50s and the 60s and I mean they're still unchanged and still the workhorse yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I've always enjoyed flying in them it's just seems like such an old world adventure when you're when you're nestled inside that plane and you know you can just feel the vibration of it and the thunder going along as you're skimming across the surface and then all of a sudden you get air and it just stops that vibration it's wonderful oh they're pretty yeah it's amazing aircraft it's such a great feeling it's so nostalgic being in them too yeah yeah Frank I'm not going to be doing that until Saturday. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you lucky dog. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's wrap this up. And uh, I want to thank you, Robin, for very much for talking with us today. It's been really enjoyable. Frank, thanks for bringing Robin on. No problem. Uh, Robin, I'll give you a call in a few days. Excellent. All right. Thank thanks you. a lot. Thank we'll be right back, guys. back, guys. 
The East Cape of Baja, Mexico is world famous for sport fishing. Dorado, tuna, wahoo, marlin, sailfish, roosterfish, and parco. The Van Warmer Resorts make dreams come true at a price all can afford. Hotel Palmas de Cortez, Playa del Sol, and Hotel Punta Colorado have the biggest and best sport fishing fleet in all of Mexico. Call toll-free to 877-777-TUNA to find out how affordable world-class fishing can be. The finest resorts and the best boats in East Cape. Call 877-777-TUNA. Vagabundos Del Mar Boat and Travel Club has 42 years experience introducing RVers to the joys of Mexico. Specializing in Baja, Vagabundos leads caravans and sponsors fishing tournaments, trailer boat cruises, and weekend getaways in Mexico and the West. Vagabundos Del Mar also saves its 10,000 members tons of money on low-cost auto insurance. Stay up to date on Mexican travel with the printed newsletter online at vagabundos.com or call 800-474-BAJA. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code Fish Talk for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. <laughs> Who's gone, gone, gone. This is Bob Summero here filling in with Frank Selby helping me out on the other line. How are you doing, Frank? Perfect. All right. And we have a great, great guest today. Yeah, before we introduce this gentleman, I want to, I want to say a little something. I've been writing for Western Outdoor News as a staff writer for 16 years now. That's a lot of time to be out in the field finding stories, fishing, and writing about it. But the person you think of most when you're writing, besides the reader, is your editor-in-chief. And this guy 
that is your editor in chief is basically the godhead. And today you've brought us one of those individuals. Go ahead and introduce him. Yeah, John Shuey has been a writer. He's been an editor for three or four different magazines that I know of. And he's a great person to fish with, and I am very lucky to have such a great friend as John Shuey. Well, we become like kids. Do, John, do, why don't do you I have to call him your magazine? Do I have to call him Mr. Shuey? Do I have to call him sure. Mr. Shuey? Since off, Bob and Frank, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity, and always good to catch up with you, Frank. Uh, the uh, magazine that I'm associated with as the editor-in-chief is the Northwest Fly Fishing Family of Magazines, and we publish four titles. We publish three print titles, which are Northwest Fly Fishing, Southwest Fly Fishing, and Eastern Fly Fishing. And then we publish an all-digital magazine called American Fly Fishing. And, and yeah, I was just going to jump how, in there. How how do you, uh, do you have a web page uh, that they we can do, order yeah. from? It's www.matchthehatch.com, which seems appropriate. Yeah, that is actually really appropriate with you. <laughs> and you, you've been doing this quite a while, you, right? Can I, can I tell a Can I tell a quick Frank story? Oh, oh I'd love one of those. I've got a few. <laughs> okay. my, I've got a few myself. So, I, <laughs> so, you know, one of the challenges to being a photographer, especially in an action sport like like fly fishing or wing shooting or something like that, is when you have to get the story on film, or as we used to call it film, you know, you need somebody that can produce. And I was doing a story down in Southern California many years ago, and Frank introduced me to Dana Point Harbor. And not only did he introduce me to it, but on command, he caught, I think, four species of fish. <laughs> yep. That's Frank. That's Frank. <laughs> well, when we fish together, it's not like doing a story. It's like not two kids on a pond. Uh. Yep. <laughs> wow, that's that's fantastic. Fun, yep. Bob's pretty much the same way, John. He really oh, is. Good. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I I can tell almost the same story because Frank is uh, a lot of times we'll we'll fish the surf together, and he says, you know, look at the nervous water. He loves to say that, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at the nervous water. Cast of the nervous water. You see the nervous water here. Let me show you. Bam! He gets hooked up. Yep. You know, I'll go back out there with sixty-five casts and stand there like an idiot. <laughs> but you know, it's true. I think I think. Uh, Bob, you you apparently as well, but myself and Frank, we even though we've been doing this a long time as fly anglers, we still approach it like Frank said, it's a couple of kids on a bluegill pond. Yeah, you know? always, always, and every I mean, there's, every there's cast. Enough ego, there's enough ego in this sport to go around for miles and miles, <laughs> but you know we don't approach it that way. Well, that and I can't wait to take a look at your magazines and get a good idea of how you approach it editorially. You know, one of the yeah. things that comes to mind for me that I wanted to ask you is, I know you have a lot of staff writers, a lot of people working for you that give you stories what is it you're looking for that makes that story something special how do you well, put real, that together you know, it's a real challenge and that's a good question we you know we are the only of the fly fishing magazines that is strictly destination oriented so we write about places we don't write about techniques and things like that and we are about a well, 98 percent freelance written when it comes to our destination stuff so the real challenge for us is first finding contributors who are as good with a camera as they are with a keyboard, mm -hmm. as I like to say. Yeah. And that's a challenge. And then secondly, finding compelling destinations to write about, you know, without retreading the same old places in the same old way over and over again. And then also on the other end of that spectrum is we're, we try to be sensitive that we're not going to publish six pages about a, a tiny little red band trout stream out in the desert with a fragile population of fish, you know? So, mm -hmm. so we'd have to strike that balance, of course, but, uh, 
we've been very lucky, and we've been doing this for 20 years now. Mm. And over the course of that time, you know, you have a way of, as an editor of sort of weeding out the people that are either difficult to work with or don't quite have the uh, the ability that we want with the camera and the keyboard. And so you sort of settle on a, a stable of individuals who continually get work from us because they behave professionally, they deliver what we need on time, and they're good at what they do. Oh, that's exciting. That sure is exciting, especially from a writer's perspective. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, as an editor, I've, uh, you know, maybe it's a luxury, maybe it's not, I don't know, but I tend to also weed out the uh, potential contributors who have too much ego involved in it. You know, I've, I've always been a believer in do a professional job, turn the work in on time, do what the editor says, move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's kind of how I'll, I'll select contributors sometimes is the people that are just professional about it. Yeah, well, you know, with with so many issues to put out so often, I'm sure you have a, a lot that you have to go through each time. We do, and, yeah. And so let's talk fishing for a minute. Now, do you get out and fish much? I do, yeah. I'm yeah. very fortunate that... I live, uh, well, from my door to, to standing in my favorite steelhead pool is 30 minutes. Uh, without, revealing the, without revealing the top secret, uh, where is that, generally speaking? <laughs> well, it's one, of, it's one of the tributaries to the Willamette River in Oregon. Ah, very nice. Yeah, and it's nice because it's an absolutely beautiful river, and my pattern over the last 12 or 15 years has been during the summer. Our, our steelhead in this river run during the summer, so it's a June through September run. And uh, my pattern has been two or three days a week. I get up at the crack of dawn, drive up to the river, fish two pools, and I'm back on my desk by nine thirty, ten o'clock. A wonderful way to live. Wonderful it way is. to yeah, live. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah and, uh, I, as opposed to the 14-hour drive we have to get to the Applegate. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, John, I still have them three flies you tied. Oh, no uh, Steelhead flies. That's been a long time. Well, that just means yeah. you're not. That just means you're not using them enough, there, Frank. That's right. No, I put them in a shadow box. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, and it reminds me of our fishing days. Every time I look at them. Bef- yeah, that's great. Before you came on the line, John, uh, we were talking about the fact that I'm heading to Sitka uh, tomorrow to. Oh, cool. Go up and fish the Tongass uh, National Park and uh, oh, wow. some of the rivers there. And the steelhead uh, just this week have been pretty strong. So. Oh, neat! That'll be fun. I'm planning on throwing hot pink. What do you say? Uh, it ought to work just fine. You know, steelhead aren't too particular about color, but they are particular about, you know, putting the fly in the right place and keeping it in the water. They like say. in front of their nose? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you bump you know, it. The great thing about that is you get a fly fish for steelhead in one of the most beautiful places in the world. I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. And, yeah, and, and yeah, that's fantastic. So we're, we're doing that. It's going to be a first. Normally we go up, we get the Dolly Vardens, and we get the, the cut bows, but this will be the yeah. first time going for the steelhead. So. Yeah, that's great. Yep. And uh, Frank, of course, uh, always wants to go. He and I keep talking about finally, once and for all, getting together and going fishing again. It's been about five years. Yeah, oh, and the last time we went, we were in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, you were in trouble. You were in trouble. It was your... Oh, yeah. They tore. John, let me tell you this real quick. Yeah. We went down to do some largemouth, smallmouth, and striper fishing. They bulldozed out the, the water where we fished. 
<laughs> they took it all away. Oh, man. <laughs> put houses in there. Yeah, who's, who's playing with this fishing trip without doing some intel first? Yeah. <laughs> Me. That's okay. Well, I, it was it's only been a, there forever. It was I only a six-hour drive. It wasn't that far. Oh, oh my God. Well, I, I've told Frank before that you know, every, every, every 10 years when I get to talk to Frank, you know, he'll, he'll say, when are you coming down? And I'll go, well... I could probably fly down one of these days, but if I drive down, I got one big problem, and that is I have to drive right past the North Umqua, and that ain't likely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, it, it's funny because I tell Frank every time we go out, hey, I'm probably going to do a story on this trip, so, you know, be prepared. Yeah. And, and so that one I did not write. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, well, that, I, but I he's going to put it in the next one. <laughs> That's right. I, I told him years. I told him years ago that uh, when I think when I first fished with Frank, that your job was to look pretty. <laughs> yeah, that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man! But we still have a good time, and I got to tell you, Frank has done an awful lot to help my fly fishing over the years. Oh, I'm sure. And uh, it's it's been a wonderful association. Now, you know, John, back to fishing up in your neck of the woods. There uh, are a lot of your stories from fairly close to where you are, or I guess with the different regions on your different issues. Your your uh, you have yeah, we're spread all over the country, but yeah. that's a good question because the way we sort of develop our editorial mix is, first off, we consider the states that are in that region, and then we consider the uh, number of subscribers we have in each state. And it, overwhelmingly, we found that our readers like our magazine because we we describe and, and demonstrate and show and pictorially bring them to places that are fairly near their homes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've always told us over the years that if they wanted to read about exotic destinations, they can read about that anywhere. They want to read about and be introduced to places that are a little closer to home. So, for example, for Northwest Fly Fishing, our biggest subscriber state is Washington, and second is Oregon. So those states are going to be represented in every issue. And then uh, we try to make the rest of each issue a, a mix between the other involved states, which would be Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, and Northern California. And do me a favor. Give me those titles again one more time. Sure. Northwest fly fishing, southwest fly fishing, and eastern fly fishing. All right, excellent. And uh, the website, we're going to wrap up here pretty quick? Sure. www.matchthehatch.com. And from there, they can actually order these subscriptions? Yeah, exactly. Whether they're digital or hard copy? Yes, that's correct. Oh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty. Uh, if you don't find, if you don't want to do that, the closest fly shop usually has w- usually at least one of their magazines. Yep, that's right. All right. Well, thank you very much. We really enjoyed speaking with you, John. Frank, stay on the line. We'll be right back. The soft science footbed absorbs the shock of pounding waves, engine vibration, and even rocky terrain. Soft science shoes are roomy and relaxed, and they drain and dry quickly. Check out the soft science fin fishing shoes and boots and the fin H2O for kayaking and canoeing. They're lightweight, slip resistant, and won't mark your deck. See the new styles for men and women and get your pair on at softscience.com. 
It's time for you to take a real fun adventure. Join a hosted fishing adventure to Alaska or Baja with the staff of Fish Talk Radio. Real Fun Adventures can book you on any adventure you desire. Bring your fishing friends or meet new ones. Fish Talk Radio gets the best deals from our sponsors to give you the best possible price. Real Fun Trips are inclusive, easy, no-worry packages to the most popular fish grounds. Trips start around $600. Go to reelfunadventures.com. Mystery Tackle Box is the most fun and affordable way to discover new lures every month. Select your target species and select your subscription length. Get your box delivered. Catch more fish. It's that easy. Offering fresh and salt water, we've partnered with Fish Talk to get you a great deal. Use the promo code FISHTALK for $10 off your first subscription. Mystery Tackle Box is the original monthly lure subscription service. In fact, we've been told that it feels like Christmas once a month and you can get started for as little as 15 bucks a month. Go to mysterytacklebox.com today. That's mysterytacklebox.com and start getting your packages every month. This is John and I believe in Mystery Tackle Box. Go to mysterytacklebox.com, mention Fish Talk, get a special deal and get the packages coming every month. You will be looking forward to it. Alaskan RV Butler. Guiding, fishing, hiking, sightseeing, adventure. The Alaskan RV Butler. Like a cruise on wheels in the comfort of an RV, view the wonders of Alaskan interior, streams, ocean, and wildlife. Or fish for the big one, all while pampered by Mike, the Alaskan RV Butler. Mike's inclusive tours serve butter-drenched shellfish and mouth-watering steaks. Mike is your personal chef, chauffeur, guide, and planner. And for the real Alaska, contact MikeRVButler at gmail.com. That's MikeRVButler at gmail.com. Welcome back to Fish Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. Uh, not, not, not John Hennigan. We got Bob Summerow here in studio with Frank Selby helping me out on the line. Hi, Frank. Hi, how's it going? It's going good. I want to talk boats. You know anything about any some airboats, float boats, that kind of thing? I know a lot about fish cats and all their products. Tell me more. And Chris, how about you giving your website, and then we're going to start pumping you full of questions. That, that would be Chris Callahan, who's on the line with us as well yes. from Air. Oh sure, yeah. If uh, you know, we have a couple divisions. You know, the Outcast, which is www.outcastboats.com, is our fishing stuff. And then AIR is the, the whitewater division, and that's www.airaire.com. 
and if anybody did not get that, we it'll be on our web page for about six months. Well, there you go. Nice and easy to find. And so uh, the outcast uh, is the float tubes uh, that also you do pontoon as well as float tubes, right? We we do under the the outcast banner. We do kind of uh, kind of an evolution. We do float tubes which turned into also framed pontoon boats. You know, a lot of people have seen. Uh, we do rafts and multi-person boats. And then kind of in the last couple of years, we've leaned towards this frameless series of boats, which is basically, it's it's kind of a big float tube with oars. Oh, wow. That sounds interesting. I'd love to see that. The uh, Yeah, we had a bad experience on a skeeter boat going down uh, stream one day. We lost an oar. <laughs> and then we hit some rapids, and then we're down river with only one oar. It wasn't fun. It was not fun. Fortunately, we no. managed to recover the oar. We were better. But <laughs> I prefer to keep it in the lakes if I can. Yeah. <laughs> and, Frank, you, you have some experience with using these boats out in the ocean as well, right? Oh, we well, the bay. I only used a float tube in the ocean over at Catalina once. And let me tell you, you could follow the yellowback. I was doing the Rotary Club over there, fly fishing. I caught a big bonita, and there was two fins swimming around my float tube. And let me tell you, to get on top of a float tube is not easy. <laughs> and all you and I kick back to shore. I only fish bays now. <laughs> <laughs> so you can follow the yellowback. And guess whose float tube it was? It was fish cat. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> the hey, blue one. Hey, Chris. Yeah. The uh, the next thing from a float tube or or some of these inflatables is to go to a regular kayak. And mm -hmm. so, if you were to compare the two, the one thing I know on a kayak is you can outfit the crap out of it. You can put fish finders on it. You can put radar. You can even put a motor on it. Can you do any of these things with your boats? You know, you you certainly can. Like for on the the. The frame pontoon boats, it's easy because there's, you know, an aluminum or steel frame. And, you know, like Scotty does a lot of great parts that, that fit on the rails so you can mount them up with anything. All our boats, with the exception of float tubes, come with trolling motor mounts and anchor systems. Okay. The, the float tubes being somewhat compact, there's not a ton of room on there to, to deck them out too much. But that's been nice about these frameless boats. So instead of a, you know, four and a half foot float tube, you've got, you know, a seven foot float tube. And we have what's called the IGS system. Mm -hmm. And so it's a little patch and we put Scotty pads underneath. And then you know when and then when you inflate it, you get this pressure fit, and so you can put. We have uh, frameless cargo pockets. We've got rod holders, motor mounts, anchor systems, and then you know we don't sell any of the you know like GoPro mounts and stuff. But you know those would certainly attach. To sure, the they'd attach just fine on that rail. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. And, and so if you were to have a small motor on the back, it would move just fine without being uh, off weighted. It, it doesn't. The way that they're they're set up is, you know, because you've got the person, you know, kind of in front of it. It balances out pretty well. We recommend that people put the battery closest to the seat. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you've, you've got your center of balance kind of right in the center of the boat. And then, you know, we recommend because it is behind you, you know, we recommend you get, you know, all those companies have those articulated arms, you know, so that tiller isn't in the back, in the middle of your head, you know, it's kind of off to either <laughs> right, side. Right, right off to the side. Yeah. Well, I know, uh, you know, we talk fishing here primarily, but sometimes people want to hear about whitewater. And I understand that your uh, your boats also can be used in whitewater environments. Well, we can. Actually, you know, the company Air started as a whitewater company, oh. you know, 30 years ago. And so, and then Outcast kind of, you know, we're based in Idaho, which is great whitewater and great fishing. So it was kind of a a way for our company to expand, and, and they got into basically the pontoon boats were scaled-down version of the Air Cats, and so we, we kind of have this, this whitewater DNA, sort of speak, so um, we don't do cheap well. We've always made sure that all our boats have really good valves, really good oars, stuff that they can put up with, um, you know, you know the rigors of, of big water. We don't rate the boats as far as, like, say, Class 3 or something, because Really, it's up to the person how qualified they are. That's right. That's right. So we're we're careful with that. The one thing I always tell people is, you know, 45 minutes from here, we've got the, um, you know, the Payette River. And we do, uh, it's class three, and we run all the, with the exception of the float tubes, you know, there's no use to... Float tubes don't have oars, so you can't yeah, avoid no, no, yeah. I'll pass. <laughs> the float tube yeah. will go through, but maybe you won't, <laughs> you know. Um, but we yeah. test all the oared boats on Class 3, all the fishing stuff on Class 3. Um, but everybody's, those guys that are testing the boats are whitewater guys, too. The boats stand up. So I don't, I don't want to say that our boats are Class 3 or Class 4, because maybe you're a Class 1 kind of guy. Yeah, right. You know, or, or no matter what the boat is. Yeah. Hey, but Chris, I got one question for you real quick. Sure. Has any of your guys uh, flo- uh, ki- uh, did the little salmon? That's a uh, type four. It, it is. You know, they uh, the guys really like the little salmon. It runs kind of kind of quick, you know. And then they're trying to avoid all the fishermen there. But we're primarily yeah. using that with our our whitewater boats. I mean, yeah. the, the the pack series, like a pack one thousand, which are you know ten feet long tubes and a good sturdy aluminum frame, that would be fine. But, you know, it's just that that's busy water, um, you know, and it's it's like a class four rapid for miles, you know, so you have to yeah. be pretty careful. So. Mm. And yeah, my wife. Know, it's more of a bank fishing opportunity anyways. And then when it gets so low, you can't you can't float it. So, yeah, when the salmon come in, they spawn right at our our cabins up there. Mm. Yeah, that's a sweet spot right in there. <laughs> yeah, so they're, my wife and her brother's getting rid of their two cabins up there. Mm. It's on four acres right on the Little Salmon, right right across from the forestry. Frank, and Frank do you want to give a phone number so of, uh, wants to call? I mean, come on. Float tube boat got. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things about fishing rivers like the salmon and some of the others up your way there, Chris, is the the difference between them. Some might be slower, faster, whatever. What would be the probably, again, not thinking the float tubes, but rather the boats, what would be the prime boat for generally all of the different rivers? You know, the the I would, depending on your size, like a nine-foot pontoon boat or the eight-foot frameless boat are perfect all-around boats, both for moving water and, and still water. If you're a smaller person, you know, you can go with the shorter, you know, eight-foot tubes or, or the, um, 
you know the smaller frameless boat that we have um, you know, and then when you well, get into like the bigger stuff, like it, it, you know, longer boat is going to be better for if you're going to do overnighters mm-hmm. and you're going to have big standing waves, just so you have a better footprint on the water. But we really, we don't mess. Around. I mean, we do basically all all our styles are eight nines and tens, and that kind of covers about everything. You know, we try to tell people. Hey, buy a boat that you're going to use 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And, and are these two, two man boats? Steel for the rest of it. Are they know? two man boats? We, our two-man boats, um, you know, are all going to be about 12 feet in okay, length. Okay, that's the difference. So these yeah. are single-man boats meant for individuals just as a kayak. Like you boat. and me, like me and you, we'd need a 10-footer. <laughs> well, no, you guys would move the, the – you, you could, but you'd be really cramped. You guys would want to move up to either our Fishcat 13 or our Pac-1200. Both those are two-seater uh, pontoon boats, you know, with 13-foot pontoons. Or, um, you know, move up into the, the raft series where, you know, we have we use an NRS frame on our rafts and, um, you know, they, they accommodate two anglers and a, and a rower, you know, with room for gear. Well, that's great. You know, hey, uh, Chris, we're going to be taking a break here in a minute. I'd like to ask you to stick around. Are you able to stay with us? You betcha. Great. We're going to take a little break here in just a minute, and then uh, we'll be back to talk more about the boats and the different fishing techniques. One of the things I'm curious about is the versatility. For me, that's the key. As you said, 80% is what you know where you want to apply a certain type of equipment. Same is true of our, our fishing gear. So I want to try to see which one might be useful, not only for on the whitewater and the, the calm water rivers, but perhaps a lake or even out into the bay. So I want to talk more about that and probably pin you down a little bit more there. Okay. Uh, um, for instance, uh, do you have one boat that you might recommend would be in that? Yeah, vein? I think our Panther's the most best all-round boat we have. Mm-hmm. And how big is that one? You know, the Panther's nine-foot pontoons. What's unique about it, instead of one pontoon on each side, there's two smaller diameter pontoons. On each so, side? On each side. Huh, so, that's got some stability. Yes, yes, it does. You know, one of the things I liked about a couple of boats I've seen is that, well, you know what, let's get back to that right after this uh, message. ago a sailor set out to design a boat shoe that was comfortable and stable non-skid and wouldn't mark the decks today these incredibly comfortable shoes are worn by anglers boaters professional guides and charter captains go to softscience.com to see more soft science shoes and boots are lightweight and shock absorbent with just the right level of support several styles come in all sizes enjoy the soft science shoe in the water and out check them out at softscience.com by fishermen who know where to get the best fishing gear around, AFTCO makes the highest quality fishing rod components worldwide. If it says AFTCO, you know you have a quality rod. Guy Harvey Clothing, the best outdoor clothing line anywhere, is also available through AFTCO. Longest lasting, functional, and best looking clothing you'll be proud to wear. Only the very best materials and workmanship. As soon as you put it on, you'll know the difference. Look for AFTCO at quality retailers or go to AFTCO.com. 
great news. You can now watch Grizz's shows wherever you are, whenever you want, on all your mobile devices. Download the Grizz Channel app today. Enjoy an adventure during that boring wait at the doctor's office. Or while you're sitting at the airport waiting for your next flight. Just go to your phone, tablet, or even Kindle app store or iTunes and download it today. And when you get home, you can watch The Grizz on your big screen on Roku. Catch The Grizz next adventure today. Talk Hunt Radio with John Hennigan. <laughs> well, you know, Frank, you you brought your friend Chris Callahan in to talk to us, and I just asked him a question about the panther and uh, how versatile it might be. Chris, can you tell us more? You bet. What's unique about the panther is it's, they're nine-foot pontoons, but instead of one 16-inch diameter tube on each side, we have two 10-inch diameter pontoons on each side. So imagine two 10-inch tubes tied together at the ends on each side. So what's really versatile about it, it gives it a really wide stance, so it's really stable. It has a low profile, so if you're on still water, you don't get blown around half as much. Yeah. And then because of this wide stance on busy moving water, it's almost like four-wheel drive. Yes. You've got a wide stance, and you're bouncing through. And the stability's got to be incredible. The stability is, is just awesome. And with those flat tubes, um, you know, because they're tied together, a lot of guys use it because uh, they can tie their dry bags and stuff down for overnighters and things. So mm-hmm. it, it's a great Idaho, you know, it's, it's kind of the quintessential Idaho boat, you know, because we have, you know, big lake fishing, we've got moving water fishing, and we have, you know, some just primo overnight type trips. So it's, it's just an awesome now, for an all-round boat, and it comes with a trolling motor and a yeah, that's, mount. Yeah, that was my next thing. See, that's the thing about, again, that 80% rule. It works out yeah. nicely. Well, another idea I had was uh, we like to, since Frank and I are both fly guys, we like to stand up while we fish as much as possible. Is there anything available with a pulpit to it? You, you bet. We have what's called the Fishcat 10 stand-up. So basically it's built on the same chassis as our Fishcat 9, except the, the pontoons are 10 feet long. Because when people are standing up, you know, they're going to be leaning out, so we want to make sure that they're going to stay in the boat. And we felt that 10-foot weight was the, the right weight. And then underneath there's a standing platform that you can slide under the seat. 
So if you don't want to stand, you can still use your fins. The lean bar folds over the back of you. And then if you, you know, you row out to your spot or motor out to your spot where you want to go, drop your anchor, slide that standing platform up, flip up the the lean bar, and, and you're ready to go. That sounds There's pretty There's a little good, locking that... mechanism, a little, little uh plug that locks in that standing platform so if a wave or something were to hit you you're not gonna you're not gonna move at all i was gonna say sounds pretty good like it would be very stable and secure frank you want to try one of those oh i i like them yeah you've used (laughs) that one One of my guys uh, i've known for years bought the one i get what the one that you developed about four years ago what what was that called was it a, a single person boat? Two person. Two person. It was maybe a couple of years ago. We did the Striker, which is a, a lightweight. I think that's it. I think that's it. And and I, we developed that specifically for here. It's a two person raft that weighs a hundred pounds, and it's got an inflatable lean bar, and it has a minimal frame. And what we what reason we created is the South Fork of the Boise here at a terrible fire, and then a rain, and it just created some just nasty uh, whitewater, that, class four, that people just couldn't go through. So this boat, we needed a lightweight raft that we could pick up, pick up and walk around these nasty sections. So that's probably the boat you're talking about. So yeah, the, because it was strike. so well-priced, I couldn't believe it. And at 100 pounds, it's something you can deal with for portage. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, that it's it's easy for for two guys. You know, it's a, a specialty boat. It'll fit in the back of a pickup, and um, you know, you are. It's not, and you can do overnighters, but you know, more of a backpacking style because the space is limited. It's a ten foot, a small ten foot raft. Guys, we're about to run out of time here. I just want to give you a chance, Chris, one more time to tell us how people can find out more about your your company and your boats. Boy, you know, if uh, you're interested in the fishing boats. Go to www.outcastboats.com. If you're interested in our whitewater stuff, go to www.airaire.com. All right. Thank I, you I very much. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Chris. I'll talk to you later. I'll be ordering this week. <laughs> okay. All right. We'll be right back. Thank you very much. 